Okay, good evening, everybody, and welcome. Tonight, we're going to be starting Shar Habitachin, the Gate of Trust. Um, and I want to begin by really talking about what we're learning, why we're learning it, who should learn it, and, and uh, what type of difference it's going to make in your life. Um, in the email that I shared earlier today, there is a handout that we're going to use um, for most of this class. So, jumping straight in. You know, the, what does bitachon mean? Anybody knows? Call it out. What does bitachon mean? Trust. Trust. You know, bitachon, trust. Um, yeah. Recently, the art scroll put out a, an English copy of, of Shar HaBitachon, The Gate of Trust. And one of the things they mentioned, and I, I strongly appreciated it, was trust, the English word trust doesn't define properly what bitachon means. Um, and so, for example, bitachon, we have a passage from King David, David Amalek, where he says, He says, throw your burden on Hashem, and Hashem, he'll bear the burden for you. So trust wouldn't define it. What's David Amalek saying? He's saying, hey, there's issues. Put it on Hashem. More than trust. Put it on Hashem. It's relying. More than trust, it's relying on Hashem. Throw your package on Hashem, and he will bear you. So although now we're learning together, we may use the word trust. We may use the word reliance. As we're learning, we'll actually see that bitachon means much more than that. It means that we're completely depending on Hashem, that we are securely and confidently um, feeling reliance on Him for every one of our needs. So as we jump into this conversation talking about bitachon, now going ahead, I'd like to use the word bitachon, meaning it's something we're going to use all over, constantly, continually, so um, I'd like to use the Hebrew word. If you have any questions at all, if anything I share, please jump in. So we have um, a commandment to believe in Hashem. Anyone know what is the Hebrew word for believing in Hashem? What is the commandment called to believe in Hashem? Emuna. Emuna means belief. I believe in Hashem. So what is the difference between believing in Hashem Emuna and Bitachon, trusting or relying on Hashem. Anyone want to call out? What do you think? What does belief tell you? What does trust tell you? So the point, and it's, if you have the handout, it says in bold, faith is conceptual, whereas trust is practical. And this really kind of hits it on the dot. You know, the Gemara says, a thief on the top of a house, as he's about to break in, he calls out to Hashem. And he says, Hashem, I'm going to break into this house and make me successful. Make sure no one catches me. He believes in Hashem. Let me say the, the Aramaic words again. Ganva, a thief. On this, uh, about to break into a house. Rahman Akari, he's calling to Hashem, help me, be successful. So he has belief in Hashem. 
Belief is conceptual. I know Hashem exists, and I know that Hashem is going to take care of me. But trust is much more. Trust is saying that I feel it. Just going to mute everybody for the moment. Feel free to unmute if you want to share anything. Let me give you an example. You could trust somebody that they'll save you. But are you willing to, you know, jump off the diving board, you know, or, or sometimes they ask you to fall back. Are, are you trust, do you really trust the person to fall back that will catch you? You have faith. But do you really, is it practical? You, and for this reason, the Ramban tells us something very fascinating. You can't trust Hashem if you don't believe in Hashem. He says, it's like a tree. The roots of the tree, the foundation of the tree are trust. The fruit, sorry, the foundation of the tree is emunah, belief, believing in Hashem. Trust in Hashem is the fruit. And here, here's what he tells you. If someone trusts in Hashem, you automatically know they believe in Hashem. If you see that someone really relies on Hashem, it automatically tells you that they believe in him. But if someone believes in him, it doesn't tell you they really have be tough or they trust him. I'll just quote to you some, some of the items. Faith is emuna is the belief in God's existence. Trust is that he takes care of me and wants my best. Practical. Faith is the belief that there's, we all have a God. Trust is the knowledge that God will provide for me. Faith is, that, is the belief that all God does is for the good, conceptual. Trust is the knowledge that we will see the good, practical. Faith can be detached and trust is internalized and real. Okay, so we have faith. Faith means that I trust in Hashem and now we're starting. Faith means that I know Hashem exists. And then we have Vitachon, trust, which means it's practical. He's really going to take care of me. Why should I learn about trust? Three incredible points we're going to learn right now. But beforehand, I want to tell you, by divine providence, we began the class tonight. It was the first Monday in January. And then I look at the Parsha of the week, Parsha of Shemois, and I said, perhaps I could tell you why God made it happen that we start tonight, this week. In this week's Torah portion, we learn that Moshe Rabbeinu sees an Egyptian man hitting a Jewish person. And he looks to the future of this man and he sees uh, the Egyptian man, he sees nothing good is going to come out. And he kills the Egyptian man by pronouncing the name of Hashem. The next day he comes outside and he sees two people fighting, Dustin and Aviram are fighting. Anyone know what do they and, and what does Moshe tell the two people? Anyone know? Call it out. Moshe sees that one of them raised his hand against the second. He didn't actually hit him, but he raised his hand to hit. And Moshe tells him, "Wicked one, why are you hitting your friend?" On a side note, we learn from here he didn't actually hit him. He had raised his hand. That just raising your hand to hit someone already is, an, is a wicked act. 
Moshe called him a wicked one. Even just beginning the process to hurt somebody is, is, is wrong. Okay, so Moshe tells them, wicked one, why are you raising your hand? And they have chutzpah. They respond back. They say, oh, you. You're the person who killed the Egyptian yesterday. So Moshe says, oh, I didn't realize people knew, I, knew what happened. And the Torah tells us Moshe was afraid. Moshe got scared. Paro found out, and Moshe had to run away. Now, the Torah only tells us things we need to know. Why do I care that Moshe got afraid that Paro would find out? The storyline is Moshe killed the Egyptian. He saw two people fighting. They got upset at him for getting involved in their fight, and they told Paro. Why is the detail that Moshe got scared important to this conversation? Mark, just nod your head. Are you you're with me? Okay. And from here, we learn something very, very practical, very important. And another time, we'll go into more depth on this. The point is, the only reason that Paro was going to kill Moshe was because he was lacking the faith and got scared. Not lacking faith, sorry. Because he was lacking trust. Because Moshe was lacking trust in Hashem that, he'll, that he will take care of him, even if Paro finds out, that allowed Paro to now want to kill him. Trusting in Hashem and Muna relying on Hashem actually will change our outcome. There's a famous story Probably I'll share it very often as we go through this. But a man whose child was sick came to the Surah of Rebbe, Rebbe Menachem Mendel, the Semachedek. And he told the Semachedek, he said, my child is about to die. So the Semachedek told him, Trach gut vet zayn gut. Five words in Yiddish. Trach gut, think good, and it will be good. How does thinking good help the sick child. But the Samachetic said, if you think good, it will be good. In other words, your, your positive thinking will have a physical effect on your child, and that is what happened. You got home, and the child was healed. So, so when we talk about why we're learning Shahar and why we're learning about trusting and relying on Hashem, I want you to know that I truly believe that each and every one of you that is, on, that is going to be learning together, um, this can make a physical effect and have tremendous physical outcomes in your life. So I want to tell you three direct quotes. Number one, the Baal Shem Tov says that one has to pray that his trust be strengthened because when Hashem wants to punish, he begins with removing that person's trust. If Hashem wants to punish, he begins by removing your bitachos. In other words, if someone has strong bitachon in Hashem, Hashem can't punish, so to say. The strong trust in Hashem breaks any boundaries and doesn't allow punishment. He's going above that. What does that mean? Listen to what the Rebbe Maharaj, Rebbe Shmuel, the fourth Chabad Rebbe tells us. A Jew is not deficient in sustenance. That means if someone says, I don't, I don't have, it's not that you don't have enough sustenance. He's deficient in his trust of God. 
from heaven, there is an abundance of sustenance being provided for a Jew. However, if one is deficient in trust, then the sustenance does not reach us. So Hashem has blessed each and every one of us with everything we need. Unfortunately, we could be stopping that flow of energy. The Rebbe himself gave the following analogy. When I saw it, I couldn't believe it. I had to look it up in the original. And literally, the Rebbe said it like this. Bitachon is like a faucet. When we have it, our blessings pour through. When we lack it, the faucet has been shut off. If you don't open the faucet, the water is not going to come. And if the water is flowing and you shut the faucet, it's going to stop. Bitachon is like a faucet. When we have it, the blessings are going to pour through. You know, we all know this on a practical level. We, we talk about Rosh Hashanah being the beginning of the new year, and Yom Kippur is when everything is sealed and inscribed. And yet, every day we pray. So the classical question is asked, why are we praying every day? If it was already described, if it was already sealed on Yom Kippur, then what's the value of my praying every day? Exactly this point. On Yom Kippur, Hashem said, Morabasha, this is the beautiful year you're going to have. Now, the thing is, every day we need that energy to flow through. And that is why we connect with Hashem on a constant basis. We're saying, allow that energy to actually come through the faucet. It, it's in your pipeline. But now you need to get it through the faucet. Let's make sure that happens. So again, what we're going to learn, I truly believe, is going to have an inherent benefit to each and every one of us. So what is the best method to... to uh, acquire bitachon, we're saying if someone has bitachon, if someone has trust and reliance on Hashem, it's going, to, it's going to have a physical effect on them. What's the best method? And something that we learn in, in many places, but I just want to quote here from a letter of the Rebbe. The Rebbe shares, the best and most effective thing to do in a situation such as yours, someone's going through a trying situation, and the Rebbe said, if you want to get through this situation, and not only get through it, that it shouldn't affect you, but actually be able to use it as a, as a jumping board, even greater height, is to study thoroughly those sections and chapters in our sacred books where the matter of divine providence and bitachon are discussed, such as Chobos Halavavos, Shar HaBitachon, and similar. In other words, what we're going to learn here in Chobos Halavavos, Shar HaBitachon, is going to give us this bitachon, and it could have the uh, desired effect we need. Any questions before we move ahead? Okay. You know, I want to share with you that when we talk about bitachon, this is something we, we talk about so often. Oh, Mark, I can't hear you. Try um, one second. It must be my issue. Can you hear me? Um, say, say it again. Can you hear me? I hear you now, yes. Okay, great. So, say that God wants you to take away your trust. He punishes you. No. No? He punishes you by taking away your trust in him. So how does, he, how does he do that? How, so in order for Hashem to punish someone, he has to remove their trust. How does he remove their trust? Somehow the evil inclination puts in these thoughts can't really rely on Hashem. It's not possible. And slowly the person starts, starts believing unfortunately that he can't trust on Hashem. So when Hashem doesn't allow me to win the lottery, they're punishing me. No. Say it again. No. I was, what? 
You're not coming in very well, Mark. Can't hear. I'm not. I'm not in front of my microphone. That's why. There you go. All right. There we go. Okay. At least described it to me. There you go. You guys are a good. Are a good match. So, yes. Thank God. I'm very grateful. So I want to share with you two quotes that you're very familiar with that talk about this trust and reliance we have on Hashem. Number one is: Are you guys familiar with the Havdalah we say after Shabbos? We say, So every Friday night, every Saturday night, how do we end Shabbos? In other words, how do we go into the weekday? What is our, what is our um, mode of operation? We're leaving the holy moments of Shabbos, and we're about to go into the weekday. So what energy are we taking with us? Here we go. Behold, Hashem is my unfailing help. I will trust in God and I will not be afraid. God is my strength and song, my deliverer. In other words, the first words we say as we leave Shabbos and are going into this hard work week is, from the word God is my unfailing help. I will trust in God. I will not be afraid. Another familiar verse you're probably familiar, you've probably heard before is Yaltira. Altira. So let me tell you a little bit of the history of Altira. Mordechai, in the story of Purim, had a rough day. He heard the Jewish people had been signed off to be killed. That's quite a, quite a rough, rough thing to hear. And he goes to the first three students on the street and he says, Hey, no, what did you learn in Yeshiva today? And they each tell him a verse. The first one says, the verse, The first child says, you know what I learned today? I learned today, do not have fear of sudden disaster. Neither of the ruin from the wicked when it comes. So that's the last verse I learned today from the prophet. He turns to the second student. He says, what did you learn today? Yingle, young child, what did you learn? So the student says, Utsu Sufar. So the second student says, you know what I learned, Mordechai, today in Yeshiva? I learned, call your councils of war, but they will be worthless. Develop your strategies, but they will not succeed, for God is with us. Mordechai turns to the third student. He says, young child, what did you learn today in, in Cheder? And this chi the child tells him, he says, I learned today the verse... Even when you are old, I will take care of you. Even when you have gray hair, I will carry you. I made you and I will support you. I will carry you and I will rescue you. So Mordechai Sadiq heard this, it strengthened him. But from that story, actually, these three verses that the students told Mordechai, we actually say every day. In other words, I trust in Hashem, He's going to support me. No matter what age I am, whether I have black hair, I have white hair, I have gray hair, whatever it is, Hashem is going to carry us and sustain us. Before we talk about the actual book we're going to learn and its author, allow me to sing you a song um, that I just le learned about a week and a half ago. Uh, but since then, I've uh, become really inspired by it. Um, and if you got the handout in the email, there's a link you could actually see of a rabbi who um, sings it from his hospital bed as he was fighting corona. 
Um, so if you have the handle, it's on page two. And uh, here, here we go. It goes, I believe in Hashem. I trust in Hashem. There never is a moment when that I am alone, that I am on my own. I believe and I trust in Hashem because I understand that he's holding my hand and every step is perfectly planned. He's holding me tight, so I will be all right. I believe and I trust in Hashem. Okay, that's the song. And you're welcome to, uh, yes, yes, uh, Elise. Okay, what handout is it in? I clicked on the link that you attached to the email and I, I, I'm not seeing it. In the email, it's an attachment. So it's actually, let, tell me oh, if you find it. In I the see one. it. I see it. Okay, Thank, good, you. Good, Thank good. you so much. Awesome, absolutely. Yes. So, okay. yes, I want to. Uh, uh, yes, please. I just wanted to, uh, every, the song that he sang and the person who sang it, he was on a respirator. They told his family he's not going to make it. And the family refused to accept it. And thank God there was a whole article. They, they had a whole article about him in a magazine. I just read it. And this song, he very much believed in. Okay. Yes, and anyway, that's where I learned about God it. He's home with his family. Yeah, thank you. So, okay, what, what do we have as we're going to about to jump in and learn about the author? What we have right now is that Bitachon is relying on God, that whatever's going to happen, he's going to make it good for me in a way that I will be able to understand it's good. And it's something that we talk a lot about as we mentioned different prayers. And the method that we could come to this trust and, and reliance, Bitachon is going to be through the Chova Talavavo, Shah Bitachon, this book we're going to talk, we're going to learn together. So let's kind of talk a little bit about the Sefer, who wrote it, when it was written, where it was written, etc. The author of the Chovah Talavavos is Rabbeinu Bachaya ben Yosef ibn Tekuda. He lives in Saragossa, Spain, and to the best of our understanding, he was a dying rabbinical judge in the city. When I say the best of our understanding, we don't know much about him. And in uh, not kind of opposite of today's day and age in the, let me tell you the time period and I'll get back to it. Um, the, the understanding is that he was born around 1050, one, the year 1050 in the Hebrew calendar, that's the year 4,810. When he was 30 in the year 1080, he wrote this book, the Sefer Chovot Halavavos, and he died around the year 1120. And to put in perspective, he lived around the same time as Rashi. So we're talking about a book that was written approximately 1,000 years ago. To be exact, it was written 960 years ago. Sorry, 940 years ago. If my math is off, let me know. It's 1080, we're now in 2020. We're, how many years ago is that? 
okay, we'll, we'll leave it. So we talk about Rashi and these commentators. The Chovos Halavavos is the first known book that we have that kind of is going to tell us about how to trust in Hashem. He's the most universally accepted book on this topic. In other words, everybody, every um, group learns the Chovos Halavavos. Um, now, what I wanted to mention about when I said we don't know much about him. Today, if you write a book, the first thing you do is you write your name on it. What you put inside is secondary. You know, but everybody knows you wrote a book. At the time the Chovos Halavavos was written, um, it was actually, people shied away from putting their name in a book. And it's interesting, if you look at different prayers that we have, different svarim we have books, we don't know many, many things who wrote them. I'll give you an example. There's a famous book that's called the Chinuch. The Chinuch was one of the first people who compiled all the 613 mitzvot. You know, he writes, he says, why did I write this book? The Chinuch, he says, I wrote it because my child was bored on Shabbos. So I, I wrote this book. It's one of the, it's a very hard safer. It's a, very scholarly, but he wrote it for his 13-year-old son to learn when he gets bored on Shabbos. But the truth is, we don't know who wrote it. Similarly, the Chobos HaLavavos, we don't really um, know who wrote it in the sense that he didn't write his name on it. However, there was a custom at that time to hint to your name. Um, and he wrote a poem that it, it appears hints to this name. So our understanding is that Rabbeinu Bachayev and Yosef Ibn Pekuda wrote it. Again, he lived approximately the same time as Rashi. He called the Sefer Chovos Halavavos, which means Chov is a, is a, is, is a debt. If, I, if someone owes me money or you owe someone money, you owe them a Chov. So Chov and Lei Halavavos, Lei means heart. Chovos Halavavos means duties of the heart. And what he writes in his introduction to the Sefer is that there's Chovos Haivarim. There's duties that our body is responsible for, the limbs. But he says there's so much written about that how you should go ahead and keep Shabbat, how you should go ahead and keep kosher, how you should go ahead and the laws of tefillin. We have, the Code of Jewish Law is full of commentary on that. So he says, I'm not going to write a book on the Chovos Haivarim, the responsibility of the Udabai. I'm writing a book titled Chovos Halavavos, Duties of the Heart, that's going to talk to a person and tell them what, what's inside, what needs to happen inside. And he wrote it, it has 10 parts to it, 10 gates, um, 10 different sections. And the fourth one is called the Gate of Trust, Shar Habitachon. Shar Habitachon literally translated means Shar, a gate, Habitachon of trust. Um, and that is what we're going to be studying. It was written in Arabic. Anyone know other, farm, other holy books at that time that were written in Arabic? Maimonides. Maimonides was written in Arabic. Um, and initially it was titled in Arabic. If you know Arabic, you may be able to understand it. It was, it was titled Al Hidayah Ila. Baraid al Kulub. I probably pronounced it incorrectly anyway. But initially it was titled The Guide to the Duties of the Heart. Later, when the first translator came and translated into Hebrew, the famous Yehuda ibn Tibin, uh, he just made the title a drop shorter. He said, We're going to call this Chovos, Halavavos, the Duties of the Heart. So here's a little introduction. Again, the author was, it was written around the same time as Rashi, and the goal is to help us understand what our inner responsibilities are. Um, 
Now, with Hashem's help, we will begin the Shar Habitafon itself, his introduction, and we will hopefully get through one of the first um, qualities of trust. So, the Cholmos Halavavos, he begins his Sefer with an introduction. Again, everything is in the email. This is a link in the email. Um, and he's going to begin, his introduction is going to tell us 10 reasons to have bitachon. He's going to tell us by having bitachon, you're going to have 10, um, 10 things you're going to gain. In the chapters that are going to follow, he's going to tell us what is bitachon. He's going to get very nitty-gritty, and I think you're going to be pleasantly surprised to see that already a thousand years ago, he's, he's going to address um, he's going to address sorry, are you with me? He's going to address how you could work. Isn't working against having trust in Hashem? I trust in Hashem, so why should I work? He's going to actually tell us when having trust in Hashem is foolish. It's going to be very um, comprehensive and inclusive, and I believe we're, you're going to go away with um, a great understanding. So, here we go. We're going to be, be starting in the handout. Um... The handle looks like this online. It should, yeah, if you haven't. I see some people are nodding their heads that they've found it online. Again, it's in the, good, good, good. I see most people nodding their heads. Um, so here we go. So we're going to turn to page two. Hashar Harabi, like I said, this is the fourth section within the book of Chobos Halavavos, and it's called Shar Habitak on the Gate of Trust. What is it going to talk about? It's going to talk about placing one's trust in God alone. Now, the first thing that we're going to establish, this was a book that was written. He needs to tell us why did he put the fourth chapter after the third? Why not? Why in this order? The third chapter was talking about accepting Hashem as king. So what he's going to tell us in this first paragraph is, if you want to really accept Hashem as king, what's the most important thing to do? It's going to be to have trust. And therefore, the fourth chapter is going to come after the idea of um, serving Hashem. We're now going to talk about trust. Let's see that inside. Amar HaMechaber, an introduction. Since we previously discussed it, we discussed in the previous case. The Shar Avodas Elohim, the obligation to accept upon oneself the service of God. What is the most important thing for someone who's, who's going to accept upon himself the service of God? I have seen it to be appropriate to now explain that which is most necessary for one who wishes to be a servant of God. And that is to rely on him. In all his matters. So if you want to be able to properly accept Hashem as king, we you have to rely on him in everything. And here the Chovos Halavavo says, By doing so, by trusting in Hashem, there will be great benefits. Both in Torah matters and in worldly matters. So in a spiritual sense, trusting and having bitachon is going to help you. And in a physical sense, it's going to help you. 
if you're comfortable sharing or at least chatting it, I mean, you tell me. Trusting in Hashem, relying in Hashem, what could be some spiritual gains? What could be some physical gains? Anybody? So, okay, okay, we're not going to know. We're not going to know. So, what could be some gains by trusting in Hashem, having Bitaqo? The first one we're going to learn about is going to be tranquility. And the example that Chovat HaLavavos, Rabbeinu Bachai, is going to give, he's going to give the example of a, ser- of a servant. A servant, he fully relies on his master. His master is going to take care of him. We're not talking about a servant. That's, we're not talking about a slave. We're talking about a servant. In other words, someone who his master is going to take, fully take care of him. He's going, he, he knows he's going to have food. He knows that everything he needs is going to be taken care of. So the idea that a servant fully relies on his master, there's a certain sense of tranquility. That's not a certain sense. In the area of his needs being taken care of, that servant has a, has a lot of peace and calm. If someone fully relies on Hashem, wow, that's incredible. So I don't need to worry how my stocks are doing because I know Hashem is going to do the best thing that I'll understand. I don't need to worry if my merchandise is not going to sell or if it didn't sell. It's, a, it's, an, it's an incredible feeling of peace and calm. Let's see that inside. The regarding spiritual matters, there's five benefits. And tonight we're going to begin the first spiritual benefit in trusting in Hashem. Menuchas nafsho. You know, these, these two words are so precious. If you ever hear people complaining, they complain, I don't have, they'll tell you, I don't have menuchas hanefesh. What does it mean? Among the spiritual benefits is tranquility of one's soul. You know, people will pay anything to have tranquility of one's soul. Menuchas hanefesh. Ubitchono alelu kavi as a result of his reliance on God, just as a servant is bound to place his trust in his master. Why do we give the example of a servant? Because a servant is fully reliant in every detail on his master. In other words, we need to trust in Hashem. We need to have a in Hashem in everything. You know, one of the things we're going to later learn is if someone says, look, I'm first going to make a lot of money and then I'll have trust in Hashem. Trust. Trust in Hashem means I have trust in Him in every detail. That's the first benefit. The first benefit is this feeling of. Uh, I, I was listening to a class someone was giving on this. Listen to how he described it. I love it. He says the first quality is being able to take a deep breath, going ah, ah, everything's good, ah. Take a deep breath. It's worth it. It's worth it. We, we trust in Hashem, right? Take, take that breath. I, I have nothing to worry about. I'm a worry-free man. Okay, I'm just kidding. I do worry a lot. But, but we're supposed to not worry. Because, and by the way, my worrying means I'm lacking in trust. Yeah, okay, you're right. I'll be honest with you. I have a lot to work on. That's why I'm learning this for you. But now, Chovas Halavavos is going to tell us something that's a little 
scary. And he says like this, he's going to tell us, FYI, he says, it's an FYI. If you don't trust in Hashem, you're trusting in somebody else. Very strong words. FYI, if you don't, for your information, if you don't trust in Hashem, you're trusting in somebody else. Well, that's, that's only half the problem. The full problem is that by trusting in... Mark, let me finish the statement and then I'll take your question. Okay. The full problem is if you trust in somebody else, Hashem lets you truly rely on him. He's going to say, okay, let that person take care of you. In other words, the Chobos HaLavos is going to tell us, Rabbi Nebuchadnezzar is going to say, if you're going to trust in your money, then Hashem's going to see how much your money will take you, how far your money will take you, and he'll remove his trust from you. So in summary, relying on Hashem is a spirit of, uh, but not relying on Hashem is, means you're relying on somebody else, and actually Hashem will remove some of his providence from you. Yes, Mark? So if you don't trust in Hashem, surely you don't trust? So it's not a matter of trusting somebody else, it's that you don't trust. So you're not going to trust anybody. What makes you say that? Like, what, why, what makes you think, why can't somebody trust in his brilliance and being street smart in having enough money? I have enough money in the bank, so I, there's nothing bothering me. It doesn't mean that you're against Hashem, it just means you have a better plan. I, you know, my, my bank account is full and I have a, I'm, I'm quite secure. Let me tell you a story. I, I won't tell you the end of the story. I'll just tell you the beginning. The end I'll tell you another time. The brisker rub, Rabbi. Um, now it's skipping. I apologize. Rabbi Soloveitchik. He shares that prior to World War I, he got married. And he got an incredibly um, expensive dowry from his in-laws. So much so, he was able to buy a full apartment complex. In other words, he was financially secure for the rest of his life. And he truly believed that. He said, I'll be able to study Torah for the rest of my life. World War I came, and he lost everything. In the end of the story, I'll tell you another time. But just that point, you could, re- you could rely. You could say, I have nothing to worry about. Not because of Hashem, but because uh, my, my bank account is full. Mark, I'm back to you. I, I didn't mean to. No, I mean, um, so, um, no, I understand about trusting that I might be inanimate. What about the question of the person that could be money? We can't hear you, Mark. You can't hear me? Let me get in front of my microphone. Is Hang that better, Mark? Yeah. Um, so it's not necessarily another person. It could be trusting in my wealth or trusting in my, that my, um, my vegetable garden's going to grow. As, as opposed to, you said, a, you, 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 wouldn't, you trust another person as opposed to trusting Hashem, but that other person could be something inanimate. Very good. Thank you for clarifying that. In this, in the way the Rabbeinu Bahaya is going to discuss it, he's going to tell us, if you don't trust in Hashem, he's actually going to say, what's going to happen if you trust in your, in your uh, brilliance? What's going to happen if you trust your physical strength? And what's going to happen if you trust your money? That's how he's going to break it down. So you're right. It's not that you're relying on another person per se, but you're relying on 
I, you know, I, I'm just so street smart, I'll get this through. So some, something else, just not Hashem. Correct. Intuition. Okay. Correct. But it would be mostly trusting yourself. Uh, if you don't yes. trust in Hashem, you're thinking, you, I made the money, I grew the plants, I did everything, not Hashem. I think that's, that's what you're trying to say. Correct, correct. And it's not so much about saying what I did, it's saying I, I know I can. I feel confident that my own um, brilliance is going to be able to get me, yeah, get me through this. Yeah. yeah. So um, we're going to finish this first, the last paragraph on page two, then we'll summarize and we'll continue next week. Hang I on. Want to, yes. One second. Yes, yes. About the person who says, I understand myself that what I, my capacity to, to function in the world comes from Hashem. Are, are, is that halfway there, partway there, all the way there, and not there at all? So I think I'm hearing you say, what about the person who says, I know Hashem is watching over me, but not every detail is in his hand. Is that what you're saying? Well, I'm, what I'm trying to talk about is uh, the statement that was just made about as long as it's something else other than Hashem that you trust in, you're not quite there. But if yeah. you, but if you, if you think or if you feel, if you, if your belief in Hashem approaches enough completion to include trust and you recognize that what you're doing and you think that what you're doing comes from trusting that that, that you're behaving uh, so, so well, let, me, let me see if I can repeat this back I think what you're saying is maybe I'm what about if you get a word trustfully I, I think what you're trying to put across is, what about if somebody says, look, I trust in Hashem, but I believe Hashem, the method Hashem is going to bless me is through my work. Is that what you're saying? Close. Yeah. Okay. So on that line, actually, that's exactly what we're going to learn here. That's beautiful. In other words, you need the hishtadlus. And, and, and I want this, I'll use this word often. Hishtadlus means you need to do your part. Someone that sits by, someone that sits down and says, I'm just going to wait every day and check my bank account and wait for it to get full because the federal government's going to constantly be putting money in. That's not, that's not what we're talking about here. Um, we're talking about somebody who trusts in Hashem, but gets a job, but does his part to be able to allow Hashem to have a vessel to give him what he needs. Yeah. Okay, the last paragraph on page two. Mipnei, we're going to have a spirit of calm and tranquility if we trust in Hashem. However, for one who does not place his trust in God, is placing his trust in an entity other than God. And if someone places his trust in something other than God, then God removes his divine providence from him and leaves him in the hands of the entity that he placed his trust in. 
very strong, very strong. Um, and we'll talk a lot more about this next week, which is we can't say Hashem forgets about you because nothing in this world could exist unless Hashem actively is creating. So what does this mean that Hashem kind of forgets about that person and for, you know, God forbid, um, is almost like forsaking him. We'll talk more about that. And the point that I don't want you to leave this class ever think Hashem forsakes you. I want you to know Hashem never forsakes somebody. Um, and we'll talk more about this. So let's summarize what we've learned today. We've learned that someone that is able to learn about Bitachon, which we're going to learn here in the Shara Bitachon, it, it will literally transform in a physical way their life for the better. And we've begun learning in Shara Bitachon how it's the fourth gate because it's, it's uh, coming after the third gate, which told us that we need to accept Hashem as God. And how are we going to be able to serve Hashem properly with trust? And we started the first of 10 um, benefits of trust, which is that feeling of tranquility, because if you trust in Hashem, you're like, you could have that trust of a servant who knows every moment his master is going to take care of him. But on the flip side, not trusting in Hashem could God, forget, could God forbid actually have Hashem remove some of his divine providence from on you.